how does this end? That was the question David Petraeus asked in 2003. He was then a two-star general in charge of U.S. military forces in northern Iraq. That is the question strategists must answer, and the citizenry must demand its political leaders to clearly state in any armed conflict. Welcome to the Ancient Art of Modern Warfare. I'm Chris Mayer, retired U.S. Cavalry Colonel and former instructor of the U.S. Army's Command and General Staff College and the Naval War College. In these podcasts, I present information that I think every citizen should know when participating in debates about our nation's involvement in war, not quite war, and ending war. If you think these podcasts are worthwhile, please hit like, subscribe, or follow. There are more than 110 armed conflicts in the world today. Ending any one of them requires more than a simple ceasefire. It requires knowing what each side intends to achieve by that conflict. Without addressing those desired end states, a ceasefire merely gives time to refit before the next battle. As a condition for approving aid for Ukraine, Speaker of the House Mike Johnson asked, What is the end game and the strategy in Ukraine? We need to know that Ukraine would not be another Afghanistan. It seems that Speaker Johnson is attributing our defeat in Afghanistan to a lack of a coherent strategy, and particularly an achievable end state in that conflict. But is that a fair statement? The Special Inspector General for Afghanistan Reconstruction seems to think so. In its report, What We Need to Learn, Lessons from 20 Years of Afghan Reconstruction, the very first lesson is, quote, The U.S. government continuously struggled to develop and implement a coherent strategy for what it hoped to achieve, unquote. This is backed up with a quote from Lieutenant General Douglas Lute, then of the National Security Council, who said, We were devoid of a fundamental understanding of Afghanistan. We didn't know what we were doing. To avoid repeating mistakes, it does seem fair and reasonable to ask, how does the war in Ukraine end, and how do we get there? Then we can determine what resources we can provide to do that. So, what is the end state in Ukraine? Of course, there are two competing desired end states, that of Russia and that of Ukraine. Putin has been consistent in his statements of that end state. These are denazification, demilitarization, and a neutral status of Ukraine. But what does this mean in practice? Certainly it means regime change in Kiev making it a satellite state of Russia. But also consider that Russia has declared that about 20% of Ukraine is now annexed to Russia. That implies much more than demilitarization and a neutral status. This likely means, as was the case for France in World War I, a much more extensive end state than what Putin wants to say. In part, probably, just as it was for France, to justify the cost of the war. At the same time, Russia does not seem to have the capacity to subdue and pacify all of Ukraine. So, what is the unspoken desired end state? Let's move from Russia to what Speaker Johnson asked for. He seems to be asking both the White House and Ukraine for two desired end states, one for Ukraine and one for the United States. Now, these may not be the same as the national interests for each state will differ. Each, however, is important. What is it that the United States wants and what is it that Ukraine thinks it needs for a just and sustainable peace? Both the United States and Ukraine must believe that the resources made available to Ukraine are sufficient to enable suitable methods that will secure an achievable end state facilitating a just and sustainable peace. Of course, that achievable end state may change. 
with changing circumstances, but as I used to tell my officers, if you don't have a plan, you don't have anything to deviate from. The most important end state for Ukraine is for Russia to abandon its desired end state. But is that achievable? At what point will Russia decide that the cost of achieving its desired end state exceeds its value? At what point will Russia decide that continuing the war is worse than abandoning that desired end state? Does that Ukrainian desired end state require regime change in Moscow? If so, is an end state that depends on that achievable in our own risk or cost-benefit analysis? I think this is what Speaker Johnson is asking for. Now let's move from Ukraine to another ongoing conflict, Israel. Hamas's declared desired end state is clear, from the river to the sea. We should take them at their word and accept that this is their ultimate goal, the eradication of Israel. At the same time, we should recognize that this is unrealistic, at least in the near term. Hamas's leadership may be imprudent, but we should not assume that it is stupid. What then might be Hamas's intended end state or outcome for this conflict? What did they intend to achieve with the attacks on October 7, 2023? Knowing that is important for any sort of conflict termination that does not include the complete destruction of Hamas, which of course would be unacceptable to Hamas. This is similarly true for Israel. Israel knows Hamas's desired end state. Israel also knows that any ceasefire is only a respite until the next phase in Hamas's attempt to achieve its desired end state. Israel's desired end state is the continued existence of Israel as the homeland of the Jewish people, safe from external threats to its existence and the well-being of its people. The challenge is to identify an achievable end state that ends the immediate threat Hamas poses to the lives of the citizens of Israel and is not merely an opportunity for Hamas to recover, regroup, re-equip, and renew the violence at a time or place of its choosing. As a last case study, let's look at the related U.S. and coalition efforts to secure freedom of navigation from attacks by Iranian-supported Houthis operating in Yemen. This one is a little different. We assume that the end state is to end violence directed against shipping in the Red and Arabian Seas. But could it be something else? Do the actions, that is, the resources and methods in use by the United States, the United Kingdom, and others, seem logical to achieving that end? Could these countries have a different end state in mind? Or maybe it's just confusion and disagreement about any defined end state. In each of these cases, the selected end state will define the resources needed and the method of using those resources. If the necessary resources are not available, then methods must change or a different end state must be chosen. In each case, the achievable end state and the desired end state may not be the same. Without a drastic change in national policy or culture, the desired end state is enduring. Achievable end states might be thought of as stepping stones or waypoints on the path to that desired end state. Achievable end states are not the same, however, as military objectives. Military objectives are just tasks that the armed forces of a state must accomplish working with the other elements of national power are necessary to bring about the achievable end state to the conflict. So today, I'm assigning homework. Choose one or more of the case studies I described in this episode. Put yourself in the place of the chief strategist for that government. What would you define as both desired and achievable end states? Now, of course, this is not a graded assignment and there are no right or wrong answers. 
it's an exercise for you to use in your own understanding of the ancient art of modern warfare.